BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody, we uh, I, I'm afraid uh, that I have to tell you this, but we are experiencing some user error technical difficulties. I accidentally set the show for 15 minutes, guys. <laughs> so, no, I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> I did. I set it for 15 minutes. I did. Yeah, I just saw it pop up. So, we're gonna have to like uh, cut this out. We'll be back in 15. Uh, come hold back on, on, and uh, we'll... Nick, oh, you got this? I think, I think I can fix it. Just keep going. Okay. All right. Well, Jawan's gonna get on it, and so that's that's awesome if he can fix it. Um. So oh. anyway, welcome back to the twentieth episode of Full Court Press. We made it to twenty, fellas. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Joel, what's happening, man? What's up, man? Let's do this. Let's talk. Let's talk some basketball. Indeed. Uh, you got your Brooklyn accent going down. Um, uh, Jawan, Jawan, what's up, man? How's the fix coming? <laughs> uh, it's coming uh, It's coming a little slow, but I'm going to get there. Um, I'm just really excited to talk basketball. All right. Yeah. Well, you got 14 minutes, so uh, not to rush here. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, fellas. We got a lot to talk about. Um, let's get it started with this, because I just this is not really on our, our on our topics or anything, but I got to talk about this for just a second. Just just bear with me here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, look, Tawan's already got a fix. Nice, good Word. job, Tawan. Thank you, sir. Um, not a problem. So check that. Check this out. Kyrie doubled down on his flat Earth theory. Um, this past week. And so I got a challenge for Kyrie Irving. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, Kyrie Irving. Uh, fly me from Atlanta down to Argentina, and I will get on a plane that you pay for. If you really, really want to want to test your theory, I will get on a plane from Tierra del Fuego, 
which is the southernmost airport in South America. It's located in Argentina. And I will fly all the way to Albany, Australia, over Antarctica, which apparently to flat earthers surrounds the flat earth. Like, essentially, they believe that uh, the North Pole is like the the uh, quintessential spot and everything from that point is flat and Antarctica just surrounds everything and it's all flat. Um, I will get on a plane and fly. I'm not asking you to do it, obviously, because you, you're afraid you're going to like fly off into space and shit. But, like, bro, I will get on a plane and I will fly all the way over, directly over Antarctica. Um, I got a globe in front of me. I'm, like, looking at it right now. It's, like, it's like right over the middle of Antarctica. I will do it. So hit me up, son. Like, I'm all about it. Like, I love to travel. So if you want to pay for it, like, let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll either prove or disprove your theory, bro. Um, Juwan, Joel, y'all got anything to add to my rant? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, no, no, you, you took care of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Well, let's get into the show, then. Um we got a lot of topics tonight, man. We got nine topics with some subcategories, so let's get right into it. Uh, I want to start off with a couple of, you know, who's been the most surprising team in a positive way and who's been the most disappointing team. Um, interestingly right. enough, there are not enough antonyms for disappointing. Try coming up with a word <laughs> that is the opposite of disappointing one word, nah, you got to go with positively surprising. That's what I had to, had to write. So anyway, uh-huh. who has been the most positively surprising team thus far? Uh, let's start with you, Joel. Who you got? Uh, I, was, well, I was talking to Joel the, uh, the other day about this, but I think the, the team that has positively, positively surprised me the most has been the Orlando Magic because I legit had no faith that this team knew what they were doing. <laughs> like I, I looked at their roster and I'm like I don't really know what they're trying to do and they and they made some roster moves oh, the, the best move they made this this offseason was picking up Jonathan Simmons and I was like that was the only positive thing I could have gave them because I was like I don't even know what else to do because I wasn't con- confident in their starting five well and, and drafting they drafted it they made a good drafting yeah they did they did draft well I'll give them that but I but it was still a question mark because I'm not really sure what they ended up doing. Um, right, and right. so far, it's, it's okay. He's been oh, he's been decent um, so far this season. But yeah, I just never expected this from them. They're playing really well. Like they blew out the Spurs the other day. <laughs> like yeah. the Orlando Magic. It's like uh, Aaron Gordon had like a forty point, forty something point game the other day. Yeah. Uh, him, them, him, Vucevic, Fournier. Um, they're playing well all at the same time. I think that's what's really the shocking part, you know. Uh, but, yeah, yeah they're, they're, the, they're, they're the team that surprised me the most. Yeah, man, they're playing together. They're playing as a team. Frank Vogel has that team. In fact, they were my eighth seed for the playoffs last year, and I was so disappointed when they just sucked. You know, like, I mean, what what do they end up, like, 12th, 13th, something like that? Maybe even 14th. I can't remember. Um, I mean, I know they weren't I know they weren't the Nets. The Nets were the worst team in the East. Um, but they weren't far from it. They really weren't. I mean, maybe – I think the Sixers, I think there were 13. I think the Sixers and Nets were worse than them. So those were the only two teams worse than them, as I recall. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, but, yeah, man, I uh, I agree. They they have definitely been um, very, very surprising. Uh, Jawan, who you got? Uh, I hate Joel because uh, that was what <laughs> I was going to go with. 
But <laughs> luckily, I had a um, yeah, had a backup. plan B. I had a nice. backup. Me yes. too. Because that's what I was gonna I'm go gonna with. Go... And I had to... Don't don't feel my plan B though, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. Um, I'm gonna go with the Detroit Pistons. I'm gonna say... it, I'm gonna have to go play and see. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. See, Joel ruined everything, man. I uh, know, uh, right? Uh, go ahead. I'm uh, yeah, say, that's it. I'm gonna say at their current record of uh, five and three, um, this team has definitely been uh, playing a lot better than uh, people thought they were gonna be. Uh, Pistons have kind of been one of those teams where Drummond has kind of just always been the middle of the road kind of guy. Uh, you know, never really surprised you, gave you the typical numbers. Um, you know, but this, this season, this team is starting to really, really, really look good. And I will say, if any of the talk that I've been hearing as far as Pistons are really eager to move Reggie Jackson, uh, especially mm-hmm. if they could possibly get Bledsoe, um, hmm. I think Bledsoe could add another great dimension to this team. Nick brings this up a lot, and not a lot of people mention this often with Bledsoe, but it should be mentioned more. He's a really good defender. So when you talk a team that has a guy like Drummond that kind of could uh, protect the protect the rim, and then you have Avery Bradley and Bledsoe as your two guards, uh, that team could really start to look a lot more uh, – you know, uh, better defensively. And that's what Gundy wants. Gundy wants this team to play really hard on defense. So, I mean, you know, I really like the way this team has, has started to look early in the season. Whether or not they maintain it is to be seen. Uh, but that could be said for a lot of our picks that we'll, we'll be saying today. Um, but I'm really impressed on what they've done so far. And I could see this team, especially if they make that trade, because uh, I think Reggie is not necessarily hurting them. But I believe he will in the long run. I think Bledsoe is a way better option for uh, for for the way that that team is set up. Um, but if they do make that trade, I could see this Pistons team if they can kind of maintain this a little bit. I could see this team making the playoffs, whether it be a seventh or eighth seed. But I could see them uh, lobbying for that playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I I think that's a really interesting trade. Um, I I mean. Let, let me just start off with this. Reggie has been playing great ball so far this year. Like, last year he had a terrible season, um, and part of that was due to injury. He's been playing really well this year. Um, but I don't think you can undersell enough, like, just the tandem that would be Eric Bledsoe and Avery Bradley in that backcourt defense. Like, that would just be so stout, like, like Reggie, like, and again, like I said, he's had a great season. He's not a defender. That is not his game. He scores the basketball. He's a reasonably good passer, um, but his his game is not playing D. Um, Bledsoe is a great defender, and if you paired him up with arguably the great greatest defender uh, guard wise in the league of Avery Bradley. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe minus Patrick Beverly. I, I love Patrick Beverly. But nevertheless, <laughs> you, you have that kind of tandem in the in the backcourt. That is something to to be feared. Um, and so I, I think 
it, to me, if you're the Pistons, it, regardless of how well Reggie's playing so far this year, I still think you make that trade. Just, just the, the upside with that is just so so great. And you know Stan Van Gundy loves his defense. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that they would make that trade, but I would – I would have to, I would have to seriously contemplate it, and I think if push came to shove, I would, I would make that trade as well, Juwan. Um, so, I'm gonna just continue my a putting my foot in my mouth from preseason, and b praising this team. I gotta pick the Grizzlies, man. Like, I mean, y'all took my A, you took my B, so I'm gonna go with a C. I gotta go with the Grizzlies. They're number one in the West, first of all. They're five and two. Um, they don't have Jamichael Green. They lost Zebo in the off season, and Mike Conley is not even playing that well. Like he ain't playing bad, but he ain't playing great. Um, I mean, his averages right now: seventeen point three points per game. That's all right. Three point zero assists. Four. I'm sorry. Three point zero rebounds. Four point three assists. Decent, but like I would have expected that he would have had to do a lot more than that for them to be at the point that they're at. Um, they're just plugging and playing guys. Um, Tyreek Evans is playing really well. Ennis is playing great. Um, if they could ever get Chandler Parsons to just, you know, play for ten percent of what his contract is worth, <laughs> you know, they would be, you know that much better. Like that team is just consistently surprising me throughout this season. And and not only that, like not only are they playing great, but they have wins against Golden State. They have two wins against the Houston Rockets. Um and then, you know, uh a, a loss to Dallas, which was unfortunate, and a loss to Charlotte, um you know, last night, uh, or the night before, rather. Um, but the, the, their wins are very impressive. The way they play defense, like that, they just have built a culture there. All their guys buy in, and I'm sorry, Memphis, that I ever doubted you. Um, I, I got to say, I mean, I don't think they'll keep up this pace, but I think mm-hmm. I'm, I think it's safe to say, at least for me right now, I think Memphis, you know, barring any injuries, they'll make the playoffs yet again this year. Um, and I, at the beginning of the season, I did not think that was going to happen. So props to you, Memphis. Um, y'all got anything to add about Memphis? Uh, I like it. Memphis. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> sorry. No, no, that's all right. Um, I, I was asked like uh, in the, during our off season thing, like I didn't hate them as much as you guys did. That's true. Um, I didn't know if they would make. I didn't. I didn't know if they'd make the playoffs, so I couldn't like disagree there. Because um, I, I like you guys, I didn't trust the roster. Like looking at the roster, it wasn't. It wasn't anything to scream about. But I did say like Mike Conley and Marcus All and Coach Fizdale, those things enough. They've they've been consistent even through different coaches. They've kept the same type of culture. So I have to give them credit mm-hmm. that they still hold up till this day. And those two guys just know each other so well. Mike Marcus All and Mike Conley is just uh, they're the they're the solid hard rock foundation of that team. Absolutely, man. Uh Juwan. Um, yeah, uh two quick things I wanted to say about them. One, 
I hold Memphis to a different standard. Uh, they're one of the teams that it's like, all right, well, playoffs is kind of, you know, where the, this team always ends up at. I need to see them push that envelope now. You don't have that much mm-hmm. longer on Gasol, um, so you need to actually start making moves that can get you past uh, these teams you're losing to in the first and or second round. Uh, my expectations for this team, like I said, are, are a lot higher because of the fact that I can't just grade them off of are they going to make the playoffs. They make the playoffs. The question is, are they going to get past the first round when they make make it to the playoffs? Also, if I'm them, I know you're going to say no, Nick, and I haven't even looked into it. I just, I'm just saying this off of, off of the, the rip. Um, if I'm the Grizzlies, I might call Houston and see if they want to take Parsons back. <laughs> see if I, can get, if I can get Anderson or something. Just something that could kind of help me out and get rid of Parsons. <laughs> so, I mean, because if you Ain't think about nobody it, I taking know. Parsons. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who might take Parsons. Uh, the New York Knicks. <laughs> and you know who I'm going to say it's for. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, w- I was just saying it in, in, in reference to, I think, I don't think their contracts are that far off. So we know Houston wants to get no, out they're, of. No, they're relatively close. They're right around twenty million, both of them. Yeah. So I mean, we got to think. What was Parsons' best year? That's crazy. In Houston. Um, and no, his best get years were in Dallas, Houston. man. Well, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, his best years were in Houston. You're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Dallas so, is awful, I mean, if, if if I'm them, it works for both of us. If I'm Houston, I get him for the remainder of his contract. He's younger. Um, there's a possibility that coming back to Houston will give him new life, and I get rid of Ryan Anderson. So, I mean, to me, it seems like a possible win-win. But like I said, I'd have to look into it more. I just wanted to throw it out there. Mm, it, it's, it's probably it's not tough. likely, but the way you explain it, it makes more sense than it does in real life. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> um but uh, I got one quick thought uh, as far as your, your Memphis grading. Um, I get that they're like a consistent playoff team, but my thing with Memphis going into this year was, um, yeah, they made the playoffs, you know, consecutive years, but they, they're kind of like the Toronto of, of the West to me, and because the West is so stacked, like has so much talent out there now, I just didn't think they were going to be able to keep up. You know what I mean? Like, if like I, I know you can relate in this sense, uh, Jawan. If you put Toronto in the West, would you have them making the playoffs? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. And that's exactly. All I about so that's that. no. And that's and that's how I saw. Well, and that's how I saw Memphis. Kind of, you know, taking they've been taking steps back for the past few years. But as far as just talent that they have on their team. Um, but man, I, hey, they've been surprising me thus far this season, and like I hope they keep it up because I like the small market teams and I like to see them do well. Um, but let's move on. Uh, we got to move on to the rotten eggs of the group, the disappointing teams of the season. So, Joel, who has been the most disappointing team to you thus far this season? Uh, the most disappointing team for me is not technically the team I'm more uh, like a team I'm super worried about, but they have been disappointing based on that they just haven't looked very good on the court together, and they haven't since preseason. Maybe it's just the early jitters or whatever. But the Cleveland Cavaliers have been kind of a disappointing to watch 
They have so much talent, so much depth, and they've kind of just been average. And I think it's for me, it's been disappointing because I, I expected more from them. And I, and they probably will bounce back at some point because that's just what they do. But so far in the beginning of the season, between them and the Warriors, but the Warriors are even another team that I, just, I have even less worry about. But definitely the Cavaliers is the team that really like shocked me so far. Yeah, no, man, I feel you. Um, and we'll delve absolutely delve more into that in our next uh, segment. Um, Jawan, who you got as the most disappointing team for you thus far? Well, unfortunately for this one, I did not have a backup. Um, I was hoping Joel would have. Um, but no, <laughs> all jokes aside, uh, this this team is a disappointment, and I do not think it is it is just the idea of it being early, um, early in the season. Uh, I think the you know how they're losing and the teams they're losing to uh, speaks more to um, uh, you know the 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 way this team is is set up. I mean, if you think about it, their biggest wins are against. Milwaukee, um, and Boston. And then their losses have been against Knicks, Nets. They're about to lose to your Pacers, uh, Nick. So, I mean, blown you know, out by the Pelicans. this team <laughs> blown out by the Pelicans, absolutely. This team has a lot more issues. I think LeBron's head is somewhere else. I do not believe him when he says he's not healthy. Uh, I mean, not, not, he didn't say he wasn't healthy. He said he wasn't uh, in shape. If you follow LeBron on any of his social media, he has done nothing but post workout videos. So unless he's not really lifting any weights or conditioning at all in these <laughs> videos and he's just faking it, I call bullshit on that. He is, he is in shape. This team just is not playing well. And I know a lot of people are attributing all these new assets to when he first got to Miami. Only difference was, we were like, okay, well, Dwayne Wade, who's been playing by himself, Bosh, who's been playing by himself, and LeBron, who's been playing by himself, it'll just take a while for them to mesh. The reason why this team is struggling, they are not playing defense. It is not a matter of they can't fit the pieces of the puzzle. The pieces of the puzzle, you know, when they need to fit, it's just when they do fit, no one is playing defense. They are giving up almost, I think, close to the most threes in the NBA. Um, it's just an effort thing. That's why anytime you have to hold a player meeting in October, it's all about effort, all about effort. It's not the idea of pieces don't fit properly. Uh, I, I mean, the closest thing I can attribute that to is when New England was struggling earlier this year, it wasn't a, an issue of you don't have the talent. It was an issue of it just looks like guys aren't communicating and there's just no effort. Like there's just no, no effort at all. So I think Cleveland's biggest issue is you don't ha- you have all these veteran guys whose mind are are in the playoffs that they're really not putting their foot on the pedal at all this early in the regular season. Like Joel said, it's hard to think that they won't bounce back and still be that dominant Cleveland team that'll be in the finals. But I tell you what, if one of these East teams, whether it be Milwaukee figuring it out or maybe even Boston, they could possibly catch this team slipping. This team is a lot more human than it was last year. Yeah, and I completely agree with both of you. Um, I mean, that would definitely be the team that is just the most shockingly bad so far this season. Um, But I'm going to throw out another juggernaut just for the sake of argument. I've watched a lot of Warriors games this season. 
in fact, I watched every single Warriors game for the first week because they had NBA League Pass for free, and so I was all about that. I was watching all those games. And I have <laughs> Steph Curry on my uh, on my fantasy team at least for another three days. Um, but uh, I got to admit, man, I mean, granted, they lost a nail-biter to Houston, um, and then, you know, they lost to Memphis, who's been playing great, and they lost to Detroit, who's also been playing very well. But it's not just about that. They struggled against New Orleans. They beat them. They ended up beating them by eight, but, man, they had to fight for that. Dallas, they ended up, like, just annihilating them by 30 points. But that came in, like, the second part of the third quarter. They just took over that game. And that's great on them, but they had to struggle through the first half. Um, Toronto, they only beat by five points. Washington, they only beat by three points. Um, they beat the shit out of the Clippers last night, but they always beat the shit out of the Clippers. There's one team, the Warriors, you can rely on them to be as fucking Clippers. Um, so, you know, regardless, I just think they're not playing defense. It's the same kind of thing with uh, Cleveland. They're not playing defense. And, and there's really no excuse for the Warriors. At least Cleveland has some new pieces that they have to, like, work into the mix and get everything set and everything else. With the Warriors, they have the same core. They just got some new, a few new pieces. I think they're going to work it out. I think they'll be fine. But the way that this team has been playing this year is so, so different from last year's team. Um, Steph Curry's been balling out. He's been playing great. KD has not been playing that well, um, for his standard anyway. Um, Draymond has been playing a little subpar. Uh, Clay has just been okay. Um, they just haven't really clicked yet this year. And I'm just kind of waiting to see if that can happen. Um, and I just can't wait to see OKC <laughs> play them. I believe, uh, I believe the first game's, um, uh, in November, um, but I'm really looking forward to that Christmas Day game. That is just going to be off the chain. I can't wait to see it. I hope OKC just annihilates them. Um, I'm showing my colors here a little bit, but nevertheless, um, OKC's defense has been great this year, surprisingly great. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I uh, I think I see some holes in, in the Warriors right now, and I almost wonder if, Maybe, maybe the league kind of figured a little bit of it out, you know? I mean, what do y'all think? Do you think, let me just pose this question to both of you. Do you think, taking it, taking that we're, we're a year away from um, the, the Kevin Durant decision, um, right now, do you think Kevin Durant choosing to go play for the Warriors is a good thing, Has has been a good thing for the NBA at this current juncture? Do you think it's made the other teams have to elevate what they do, or do you still think, as we all thought last year, that it's just a, a walk in the park for the Golden State Warriors? Uh, let me start with you, Joel. Well, it did it last year, at least. That's how it felt, and that's kind of what it was. Um 
but so far this year it's been there's been more parity. Uh, like I said, it's been shocking, like how how beatable a lot of these teams have been. No one seems to be super dominant. Um, but again, it is early and things could change. But as of right now, it's been really fun. So I've been <laughs> really excited to see everybody go at each other and not one real one team stick out like a sore thumb. And uh, I just like it. I like the way it's been looking. I like the way everything's like been handled. Um, teams. I mean, more, there have been some surprising teams. Obviously, there's been some disappointing teams. But the reality is the two top teams that we thought would just destroy and eat everybody at the top have been fairly average. And, again, I'm not sure that that's going to stay like that. But as right now, that's what they are. They're both kind of just there. And uh, maybe they're just on a hangover or whatever, but that's just how it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I need you to answer that question there. Do you think KD going to Golden State is after a year out, over a year out, do you think it was – do you think that decision at this juncture in time is good for the NBA or still do you think it's bad for the NBA? Uh, at the time it was bad. Now it doesn't look as bad. This is, it's hard to <laughs> Fair say. Fair enough. I'll take at that. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, true. Um, I mean, it's hard to make that decision right now. I, I, um, I, no. I'm, I'm just putting you on the spot. I think it's I think it's great for the NBA. Uh, it reminds me of the second year of LeBron in Miami, to where all teams were kind of like, all right, how can we get in on this? Bringing superstars together. Remember the Nets trading away their entire future, thinking mm-hmm. uh, Joe Johnson, Lopez, Garnett, and Pierce. <laughs> would rival that. And Darren Williams, yep. Uh, so, you know, it's, yeah. Yep. yeah. And Darren Williams, I'm sorry, I just completely forgot about him. Um, I don't so, blame you. Know, <laughs> Everybody else it's did. Always, Why should you be any different? <laughs> exactly, right? It's always good for the league because uh, a lot of these teams that kind of, you know, just kind of just sit there, uh, the fan base is kind of demanding them to be at least more competitive. So you're just seeing teams this season more competitive. Uh, you know, a lot of the teams that are just typically going to be bad because they don't have the talent are just going to typically be bad. But a lot of these teams that were just like, it's an effort thing. Like, why aren't you being competitive? Why are you looking to tank every year? Um, we're, we're seeing since they changed that whole aspect of tanking, right, exactly. But we've seen since they changed the aspect of tanking, uh, along with the fact that, you just you just don't want to be that losing team for you know for like six years trying to uh, you know piece something together. So a lot of these teams are looking to get something competitive on the court. Uh, I don't know if it's directly because of of Durant going there because um, a lot of these power moves are made by trades, not necessarily uh, free agency. So it wasn't guys coming together. Uh, it was just more of teams like I kind of want to get rid of this guy who doesn't want to be here. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the way OKC is, is set up. You look at the way Boston had themselves set up. Um, you know, a, a lot of these other teams. Yeah, it's directly because of Durant going there, and um, you could say that the league right now is a lot better. Now, whether or not those teams, those two teams, end up, we inevitably think they might end up, is to be seen. But right now, basketball has been very, very fun to watch. Uh, not that many blowouts. Uh, although your Pacers did just blow out the Cavs, 
Um, it Damn has right been a lot is. more fun to watch these games. Well, and here's another thing that I find very interesting. Um, of course, there are a few teams who just decided to utterly, completely rebuild. You got your Hawks, um, you got uh, Chicago, um, maybe two or three other teams, Dallas. Um, but a lot of these teams are trying trying to stay competitive and trying to put together rosters that can play and win. Um, Indiana is an example of that, as you just pointed out. Um, you've got uh, blah, 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 um, Sacramento. They haven't been playing very well, but they have put together a team that they're trying to win. And I find that really intriguing. I think, like, you're – you can put together a better team even if you don't have a star player who is great. Like if you're if you're a mediocre team with a star player, you can be just as good of a team without that star player if you make the right additions. And I think and I was saying this at the beginning of the season and you know, I understand you guys for saying like you're crazy, but that's what I saw with Indiana. I like the pieces that they put together. I really really like them. And they've been doing a lot of this without Miles Turner, mind you, um, who I think is probably, you know, their biggest piece um, that, you know, they've yet to unleash. So I, I, I think overall the KD move made a domino effect where the teams that were contenders got better. The teams that were um, not really contenders uh, made moves to stay in that playoff race, and you have fewer teams at the bottom who are just utterly crap. Because um, there was a lot, even last year, and even more the year before, and you don't really have that many this year. I mean, hell, even like Brooklyn, I think they're you know three and five. They they don't have a great record, but they're playing really well. Um, so you have a lot of teams that are playing really well, and I think you can kind of all track that back to that KD decision. I, it's just very interesting to me. But yeah. nevertheless – Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, no. Go ahead, Juwan. I was just going to say, I was watching uh, – NBA TV had a thing to where all the owners were doing like a sit-down and all talking to each other. And one thing I noticed was a lot of these owners weren't looking Golden State's owner like in the face when he was talking. They were all kind of looking down or looking at each other. So, you know, I bring that up to say that a lot of these owners that were close but not there with Golden State, because of that Durant move, they're like, all right, we got to do something. I'm sick of these guys winning every year for like the past, what is it? Uh, well, they didn't win uh, uh, the year before, but being in the finals over my team, um, you know, they're kind of getting sick of it. They, like Joel's sick of there not being uh, any parity. I think the owners <laughs> – are right there with you, Joel. So you can tell by some of the moves that we would have never thought could happen that have happened this year uh, for a lot of these teams. And like you said before, even with the Nets, yeah, uh, there's some, yeah. Uh, Even with the Nets, they're just more competitive. Like you don't watch that and go, oh, the Nets are going to get blown out by 90 today. They're kind of playing more competitive. It's somewhat fun to watch. Um, So, you know, it, it, it is a good thing for the league, especially if in the next, three to four years, we've had uh, different teams in the finals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think, honestly, when it all comes down to it, that's what we all want, no matter, like, 
how it happens. Um, but let's transition because I really want to kind of break this down, and we, we kind of got a smooth transition here. Is parity making a comeback? Um, we've got teams that look like they can compete with the Warriors. Um, we've got teams that are are playing on that second tier, if you will, um, who are, you know, com- competing for those those playoff spots. And then we've got a few teams there at the bottom, you know, who are just we know aren't going to play well. Um, but, you know, they're young. They're fun to watch. Um, do you think parity is making a comeback in the NBA? Uh, let me start with you on this, Joel. Uh, currently it is. I mean, based on what we've seen so far this year and all the teams playing the way they've been playing, and like I said, the top is not as uh, lopsided as, as we thought it would be. Uh, yeah, it kind of looks like there's more parity in the league, and that's kind of exactly how I like it because uh, I like to see some type of competition, and I don't really – I hate when it's dragged down by just, two, like, two teams like the whole year. And it's like it's not very exciting when you know exactly what's going to happen at the end, and it's like I kind of want to see a, a more competitive, uh, like, playoffs. Uh, and it's just – it seems like we might get that this year. But now it's still early, and, again, things can change, but – I, I, I do like what I see so far. And, yeah, parody, it looks like it might be returning. At least I hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Jawan, what do you think about it? Do you think parody is, you know, making a comeback in the NBA? Um, or do you think it's just, you know, kind of all a, um, uh, a, a falsehood? I don't know if I could definitively say it's making a comeback, only because I feel, I feel, this is not factual, this is just my opinion, I feel as though it's one-sided. Um, as, as horrible as the Cavs have played thus far um, in the season, I still can't definitively say in a playoff series any of these guys in the East could beat them in seven. Now, I think some of these guys might possibly take them six or seven, but beat them in seven – I don't know if I could definitively say that. I could about the West. I absolutely could. Um, Nick, it's no surprise. Me and you have have lobbied for OKC in the finals. So, I mean, we're not going to walk away from that now, especially because they're playing so well defensively, which you need to do uh, when you go up against the the Golden State Warriors. But there's no one in the East I could definitively say can beat LeBron in seven games. So, until I I can get to that point, I don't know if parity is, is completely there yet, but it's getting there. I think next year um, will definitely be a year that you kind of go, I don't think it's as clear cut as it, as it has been for LeBron in the past eight years or seven years, however many years it's been, or Golden State in the past four or five years. So I think next year will definitively be, um, you know, the year to where especially all these, you know, uh, news stations and TV shows, Kind of go, I don't know if I have Cleveland in the finals. I don't know if it's that easy for the Warriors. Um, but this year, like I said, I don't know if there's anyone in the East I could definitively say will beat LeBron in seven games. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. I mean, it, it's really tough to say, and especially because, you know, we don't even have Isaiah Thomas yet. So we don't even know what this teams are really going to look like. Um, like, I mean, what I mean to say is, Yes, they've been struggling, but 
when they get Isaiah Thomas, that's just going to give them a whole other offensive dynamic that is probably going to help them most through the East. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I will pose this. I think if Giannis keeps up the tear, Middleton gets his game right, and Parker comes back and stays healthy and plays well, I think the books could potentially beat them. Call me crazy, but I really do think you could. we could be seeing a season of the changing of the guards. And here's why. LeBron's like 32, 33 years old. He is well past the point of which an average individual starts losing a step. Now, LeBron ain't lost a step yet, and I'm not saying he's going to do it this year, but he could. Everybody does at some point. Father Time is undefeated. So it could happen this year, and Giannis is young. He is athletic. He is everything you want in a player in the NBA, especially the new NBA. Um, I, I do think if everything lines up right, Milwaukee could be that team. I don't, I don't give any credence to Boston because Hayward went down. Um, I, I think they'll still be competitive. I just don't give them a chance. And even with Hayward, I don't know if I'd give them a chance. Um, they just don't, they don't have a player like Giannis. So it's, it's just hard for me to give them a chance. Um, I don't really give Washington a chance either. Again, John Wall is Giannis. You need that, that one guy um, who is just, Heads and tails above everybody else, um, and the Bucks have it, and I think they could. I do think Parity is making a comeback because of that, and because of what OKC has done, because of what Minnesota has done, and man, I look forward to seeing OKC and Minnesota play each other. What two more times this season? More, more. I mean, they're in the same division, so they're gonna at least more two more times. So that's two more, yeah. Two four more. times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, oh, two more yeah, times, yeah, four times. Because both those, yeah, both those games were terrific. Um, and I mean, I still, I still can't get over that bank from Wiggins. Like that, that was bullshit. <laughs> um, especially so, Mello during that three. But uh, go ahead. I want to ask. I want to ask you, Angel. Can you definitively with Milwaukee? Because I mean, that's the only team, uh, it sounds like you were taking serious in the East, Nick. Um, yeah, as far as a, a can you could beat Cleveland. Right, right. I'm not arguing that. Right. I, I, I definitely understand your point on that. Can you definitively say you could see that team um, beating the Cavs in seven, or even yeah. going seven? No, I could see them beating the Cavs in seven. I mean, I'm not saying it will happen. I just see it happening. I get you. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Like, I mean, it, I mean, all the stars would have to align. Like, I mean, Middleton's got to step his game up. Parker would have to come back and be playing great. Vaughn Maker's got to step up because he's their starter, and he ain't playing great at all. Tonight um, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just hasn't been, like, he he's better than what he's been playing. Like, he needs to play better. Will- he showed – Spurts of it last season. He needs to play better. Um, and Brogdon's a great player, and you still, you know, you still got the uh, potential of them landing Eric Bledsoe. So, I mean, with all of those chips in the pot, Possibly. like, I, I, I um, think it's, I think there's some potential there. And I, and honestly, the way the Bledsoe thing is going, 
I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to have to give up Brogdon to get him. Now, I'm not saying they'll be the team to get him. I'm just saying if they do get him, I don't think they're going to have to give up Brogdon. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think they'll do that. Uh, Joel, do you do you see the Bucks beating the Cavs in seven? Wait, wait, let's hold on. I didn't say I see them beating the Cavs in seven. I said oh, I no, see no, no, the no, no, potential. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. I wasn't putting words in your mouth. I was just asking Joel, could could he see uh, the the Bucks uh, beating them in seven? I wasn't putting words in your mouth. No, you said, do um, you see them beating them in seven? Oh, do no, you but, see them? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but no, I still wasn't. I still wasn't putting words in your mouth. I was. I I phrased it wrong, but I wasn't saying you said that. All right, um, Joel. I, I I will say no, not yet. Uh, I don't think. Until I see LeBron lose in seven, and it's been a long time uh, in, the, in the Eastern <laughs> Conference has, that I've seen him lose in seven. Uh, I, I can't say anybody. It's going to eventually, and maybe it's this year. <laughs> but as of right now, no. And I will say that they're very beatable right now in the regular season, and they've, I think, lost, like, what, five in a row, it feels like. <laughs> um, but I don't think in a playoff series, when things start changing, they get Isaiah Thomas back at that point. Well, not that point, but before that, and things maybe start gelling. I mean, they have a good team, so I figured it's going to be tough to take them out in seven. So I'm going to say no. On a play. Until I see it, I don't see any Eastern Conference team taking out LeBron in seven. Until it, until it does. Until they do. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. Like I mean I I ain't like fighting either one of you on that. Um, I just think it's a it's a possibility is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. Um, I wanted to talk about the shortened off season, man. Um, we've seen we've we've been told this whole time about all the pros of it, less back to backs, um, uh, like a, a longer season, no no more, um, you know four games in, in, in five days, all that jazz. But from what we've seen thus far, do you guys really think that this this um, longer season and a shorter off season has been a good or bad thing for the NBA? Um, let me start with you, Joel. Um, it's good for us. I don't know if it's been good for every <laughs> other team. Um, so far, it's 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 – I like what I've seen, and uh, I, I like the fact that I know the the players are, are liking it because they get more rest, I believe. I think that was the whole point of the shortened preseason and the starting it early so they have less back-to-back. Well, but here's the thing, no though. No three-game back-to-back. Right, but here's the thing. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, they don't necessarily get more rest. They just don't sit out games. So they don't, you know what I mean? Too. Like, they don't really get more rest. <laughs> right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Right. I mean, well, that they did it for a reason. And, uh, I, again, it, it's helped uh, our viewing pleasure. But I, I haven't had an issue with it. So far, I like it. And I, I'm more likely you're going to keep it this way. And um, I'm not sure how if, if there's a pattern and that that's the reason that a lot of these teams don't look as good as we expect because they – got a shorter training camp and they went right into preseason and a lot of these teams are using this regular season now as an as a preseason game and it's possible that that's the reason and that's what's going on but uh so far I like it so I'm not complaining. 
Oh, I hear you. Juwan. I like it. Um, we know the NBA only did it to uh, make sure players would stop sitting out. Um, but I, I like it. I mean, honestly, most of these players are in shape because uh, they spend their offseason playing basketball. So it's not like these guys are getting fat and now they got to, you know, slim down even quicker now because the season starts earlier. So it's not like they drastically changed what they were doing beforehand. Um, I, I, I like what you've seen from, from the idea of that. I feel as though the players are rewarding the idea of not having to play back-to-back, um, showing that they're, they're fresher, uh, it's less wear and tear, um, and you're seeing really good things from a lot of players. Uh, and, and thank goodness you haven't seen any, um, you know, uh, basketball well, – I don't know how to really define basketball-related injuries, but nothing to where it's like, uh, you know, a player not being um, physically there is why. Like Hayward was injured because he landed wrong. Lynn was injured because he, he landed wrong. Like it wasn't basketball – Related that got them injured or anything like that. So, um, you know, it, it hasn't been like a wear and tear on these guys. All these guys look fresh. Uh, they're out here trying to drop 30 a night. So it, it's just been a lot more fun to watch because it's more competitive. Um, but like I said, the NBA didn't do it for us. They did it for them. Uh, but it didn't hurt. Damn right. No, and I think that's a, I think that's a really good point to make. Um, we benefit from it because we get a, a longer season of basketball. So that's all fine and good. Um, but the reason they did it was not to get players more rest. They did it to get players to play more games. Like, let's not, let's not pretend here that it, it, there was any other motive than to try to make players play more games because that is what they wanted to achieve. Um, so that's why they did it. And by doing that, they shorten their off season. Um, they shorten their preseason. Uh, I I gotta say I'm not really a big fan of it. I think I think you. I'm not gonna say you can draw a correlation between like the Hayward injury and the Lynn injury um, and the other slew of non-season injur- injuries that have been you know that have happened. Um, but nevertheless. Uh, aside from the injury side of things, which again, like I'm just saying, you, you, I, I think it's utterly impossible to make a parallel between a short and off season and injuries in that regard. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think you can connect A to B like that. Um, but the, to me, again, the motive is what what frustrates me, um, and it was all done so that players wouldn't sit out when all you really needed needed to do in my opinion was make the schedule in which teams did not play uh nationally televised games on back-to-backs that's all you needed to do to begin with you didn't have to tweak everything else um and you wouldn't have had people sitting out for those nationally televised games cuz that's what they're concerned about um i just i think they will keep it um, I do like that we get a little longer of an NBA season. Um, we get more to talk about because God knows we ain't really talking that much about preseason, uh, more summer league, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, man, I, I I don't I don't like put it this way. I don't like the characterization of it. 
the motive is not characterized in the way that it should be, in my opinion. Like, Adam Silver should be blunt. We want our players to play as many games as possible. So we lengthen the season in order to get them to play more games. Not we lengthen the season in order for our players to have more rest and not get hurt. No, they had their rest. They were just sitting out games, and you didn't like it. You want them to play more games, so you made the season longer so you could give them less of an excuse to rest. That, that's it. That's what it is, in my opinion. Um, Joel, do you, I mean, do you think I'm wrong in that opinion? No, I just don't care. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. Hey, no... man, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have that strong a feeling about it. It, just, it works for both well, sides, so, so at least so far it, it is. So that's all that really matters. It, I don't think, but see, I don't really think it works for both sides. I think it, I think it works for the owners, and I think it works for the fans. I don't think it benefits the players. I don't think there's any benefit to the players whatsoever. Um, in fact, I think if anything, it's less beneficial to the players because they don't get as much time to prep. Um, like put it this way: if you're Batman and you got half the prep time that you normally had, maybe you can be Dark Side. Just saying. Uh, Jawan, do you see the point that I'm making? No, you don't get to start off with this and Batman like that. Batman mm-hmm. could have 15 seconds and still pull it off. So you know how I feel about oh, Batman. God uh, damn it. But why did I go to you with a Batman? With I don't the know. With I, don't Batman. Know. I don't know. That I was, don't know, that was my fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was shame on you, man. You know I love Batman. Um, but to, to get back to NBA, I, I get your point. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily in the best interest of the players, but I don't think they're complaining either. Uh, I think the players are more so like Joel. I think uh, the biggest thing they were looking for was to not have to play back-to-back. The fact that they don't have to play back-to-back, they understand it was going to come at a cost. No, they're still playing uh, back-to-back, you weren't gonna... just not as many. Yeah, not yeah, as they many. They don't do those I'm triple sorry, ones I, anymore I now. Right, they don't have to play as many. Well, they haven't they done. Knew, they knew. They, well, they haven't done back to back to backs in a long time. They but they were having to play four game four games in five days. Four That's games. That's what they were having right. to do. Right. And they don't have to do um, that anymore. Right. So right. they knew that would come at some kind of risk, and that risk being they decided to shorten preseason and extend the 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 regular season. Uh, the th- the thing about shortening preseason though that I'm sure didn't really matter to the players. Because I think basketball is possibly the only preseason that just doesn't matter. Because uh, what do we pay attention to preseason for? To see guys who wouldn't uh, regularly get playing time play. Well, usually those mm-hmm. guys who don't really get that much playing time go to the D-League anyway or just ride the bench. Um, so it, it doesn't really G-League. tell you that much. Or the G-League now, yeah. So it doesn't really <laughs> tell you yeah. that much now. Um, so I don't think preseason is important to the NBA as it is some uh, some other sports. So like I said, I think I think this is not me saying this is not me speaking for them. I think the players understood that to eliminate, as you said, Nick, uh, four games and five nights, it would come at a risk, and that risk was now uh, starting the season earlier than it usually would start. And I think that I think they're fine with that medium. Sure. Um... And, and, you know, I can agree with that. Um, I just, again, it's, it's, put it this way, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. 
that's the yeah. biggest thing about it to me. Um, and I just don't like the way that it's being characterized. I just think, like, if, if, if it was just simply put, like, we extended the season so our players will play more games. Good, fine, the fans benefit, blah, 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 blah. Um, but don't try to sell me on the fact that you extended the season for their health. You, no, you didn't do it for that. Um, that's just, right. that's the biggest thing to me, I guess. Um, but anyway, I digress, um, because both of you, I mean, I can't, I can't deny the majority of y'all's points that, you know, that much is certain. Um, but let's move on. Um, will Eric Bledsoe ever be dealt? Like, when's that going to happen? <laughs> Juwan, is it, is it going to happen? And, and to who? Like, what, like, what? This is he's been sitting out for over a week now, and nothing has happened uh, other than Phoenix winning like three games finally. Um, yeah, but like, yeah. but I mean, is it what's going on with that? Like, I mean, it it doesn't make sense to me. Why would you? Why would you say we're, we're done with him? We're moving him, and you don't even have a deal in place. And now you're scrambling to make a deal. And now you say you're not in any rush to make a deal. Um, fair well, enough, I guess. I mean, I guess you're not in any rush, but nevertheless, you know, you want to make a deal. Like you, you need to make a deal. You need to get him out of there. You need to get something back. What are your thoughts, John? Um, well, Phoenix, honestly, is possibly. I thought uh, the Knicks were the stupidest organization as far as handling um, uh, locker room issues. Suns definitely yeah. set a new uh, a new standard. Um, mm-hmm. If you're the Suns and you don't want Bledsoe because of his tweet, do you know what you do when the media asks you? When the media goes, hey, you know, what did you think about that tweet where Bledsoe said he was at the hair salon? As management, who does not want other teams thinking he is a problem or an issue, you laugh it off and go, yeah, you know, I sometimes am with my wife at the hair salon and I want to get the hell out of there quickly too. You do not feed into the media and further an issue you want people to think is a non-issue. A lot of teams still want Bledsoe. I'm not saying teams are, are backing off of Bledsoe because of the whole he doesn't want to be there. Uh, that'd be stupid. What I'm saying is, you do not want to hurt the trade value. A lot of teams, because they know he does not want to be there and he is not playing, aren't going to give you the farm to get him. They're just going to say at some point you're going to get tired of paying a guy who is not playing and you'll give him to me. So you don't have anyone that's, that's you know, going to be desperate to make those Kyrie kind of trades or you know or anything like that. You're going to get more so of how the, the Pacers got that that Paul George trade or how kind of the Knicks got that mellow trade. You're going to get more of trades like that, uh, that are definitely more one-sided uh, than, than anything. So if you're Phoenix, you handle this completely wrong. Um, you should have fired, uh, was it, was it Earl Watson or whatever his name was? You should have fired him last year. I, I didn't understand how you had him uh, coach a full season. I, I didn't get how he got that job. Um, but if you're Phoenix, you, you definitely need to start answering some of these calls. Get Bledsoe out now because uh, a lot of teams, like I said, they see what's going on. They know what's going on, and they're not going to jump the gun to make this trade, especially when Phoenix has said almost every day, we're in no rush. He's under contract. Yeah, well, 
so was Kyrie, but Cleveland was smart enough to understand how you didn't want that kind of issue leading into your NBA season. It was just best to get it done and over with now. Uh, well, then, so you didn't have to worry about it. You knew Bledsoe didn't want to be there at the start of the season. The fact that you dragged your feet, he had every right to to be publicly upset about it. So you should have traded him then. So I Phoenix is just really stupid on how they're handling this. And I don't see Bledsoe being traded till the uh, the till around the trade deadline, honestly, because Phoenix is in no rush, and people aren't going to give them uh, the farm to get him. Right. And, well, and and here's the thing, like, there is no no chance, in my opinion, that Denver would not at preseason at the time that Bledsoe said what he said and they decided, or now, there's no chance they would not give you Moutier and Fareed. There is no chance. They don't want Fareed. Fareed has no minutes on that team, and Bledsoe is just exponentially better than Moutier. And if you you add those two contracts of um, Fareed and Moutier together, they almost equal Bledsoe exactly. So just do that trade. Just get Moutier. Like you, you're not going to get Brogdon. You're not. Like the the Bucks are not going to give him up because if they would, they would have already done it. So just go ahead, bite the bullet, take Moutier, take Fareed, and call it a day. Like that to me, that just makes so much sense. It's ridiculous that they haven't done it already. Joel, what are your thoughts on it? I agree. Uh, I, I just. They didn't put themselves in a good position. <laughs> like, like you can't do what they did and expect to get what they want. Because they want, like, fucking a pick and a young player and a rotation player. And it was going to be wrong. Bledsoe mm-hmm. was a great player, and he deserved to get compensated for a guy like that. But honestly, he's, like, he's not he's not playing now. He's uh, You seem to not be in any type of rush. No one's in a rush to give you good good stuff for him. Um, as good as he is, he's 27. He's not exactly a young player anymore. So it's like it's only certain teams are going to give you certain things, and they're going to either. Uh, the reason he hasn't been traded is because they're not getting what they want. They're not getting the offers they expect. I mean, they're 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 asking, but the teams are not willing to give up um, their future for this dude. And I don't blame them because they don't need to. So at some point they're gonna to have to crack. When is that? When that is, I don't know. Will it be trade deadline? Maybe, maybe earlier. Um, I doubt it. He goes past that, but um, I, I don't know. I, I hope soon. I honestly just hope soon, so he can start. So we can see him play again, and another team can get better because that's just, that's just gonna happen. Whoever gets him is just gonna be a bit better now. So yeah, I just want that to happen. Get out of the way, and Phoenix not being stupid. It's just I've heard a lot of things about you recently, and it's not, nothing's been good. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and here's, you know, kind of two other things. Bledsoe's not – he's 27, so, yeah, he's not super young. Um, he's had health issues, so, you know, yeah. other teams are taking that into account. And then yep. also, because you benched him, you decided to just sit him on the sidelines until you can figure out what you're going to do without knowing any recourse of what you're going to do your team has been winning without him. So what does that say yeah. about your trade asset? Like, exactly. They've just handled the situation wrong at every point in in the situation. Like, 
I don't know. I it, it's utterly frustrating. And if I was a Phoenix Suns fan, I would be pissed. I would just be like, "Come on, dude!" Like, and and again, I really do think that I I think what it boils down to is the Suns maybe just don't want Moutier. Like, they would make the trade for Murray and and mm-hmm. and Fareed, which I I threw out there at the beginning of the season because I thought at the beginning of the season it would have made more sense. But now that you've just plummeted the trade value, the, the, you're only going to get someone like Moutier. Who is yeah, almost but, coming up on his on his contract extension, and you know they don't want Fareed. I mean, I think, but I feel like Denver would be willing to make that offer, and I feel like if you're Phoenix at this point, you need to take that offer. Juwan, I'm sorry, you were saying? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm sorry, I was cutting you off. I apologize. Uh, no where, where Phoenix, uh, where Phoenix is lacking at is that they're not from a, a standpoint of. Um, uh, they leverage. don't have an advantage here. Yeah, they don't have any leverage or an advantage. I mean, the reason why uh, Cavs were able to get a deal um, that kind of got them, you know, around the same uh, value for Kyrie is because, one, Kyrie's young and how skilled he mm-hmm. is. Like, there was no way anyone was going to say, nah, I don't want to give you Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie. Uh, no, yes, absolutely, I'll give you for two reasons. One, he's younger and possibly a better player. And two, um, you know, uh, the the health issues, and I didn't want to pay him. I'm not paying Isaiah Thomas. So, I mean, if, if you're Phoenix, you have to look at it from so many different ways. You don't want to keep him. He doesn't want to play there anymore. But these are all things that were known before the season started. So this could have been right. handled before the season started so none of this stuff got out. Phoenix is just dumb on how they handled it. And honestly, it wasn't made a big deal when he tweeted that. Because not a lot of people connected the dots, uh, you know, that that easily. Because that tweet could have literally meant anything. It wasn't until the owner was asked about it, or the GM, I don't remember who. And he then confirmed what everyone started at some point to piece together, which was uh, maybe he doesn't want to be here in Phoenix. As the owner, you cannot devalue a trade asset. That is what the Knicks did with Melo. That is why the Knicks didn't get much back from Melo. There was a point to where team, all teams knew Knicks had to get rid of Melo. There was no way the season could start with Melo still being there. So then the Knicks got, you know, it got more and more desperate to where it's just like, we got to just get rid of him. Um, so, I mean, teams going forward have to be more smart about how they handle situations and, and star players like that. Um, if they want to go, let them go, handle it, and you know within uh, within the team, don't let it get out. Let people just be shocked uh, once it happens. Then you can answer those questions. But the distraction is over, and you've you've gotten your value for that player. But when you handle it the way that they are handling this, and New York handled Mello, is you're always going to get the short end of the stick. So I I do believe that whatever trade they end up getting will be the short end of the uh, of the stick. Yeah, absolutely. And let me just pose this to you guys. There was a rumor, and obviously it's just a rumor, um, but there was a rumor that the Cavs were offering Kyrie Irving for Eric Bledsoe and Josh Jackson. At, at mm-hmm. this point of of where you know Phoenix is, do you think they were stupid for turning down that trade if that trade was actually on the table, um, Joel? No. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Joel. Well, um. 
they would have gotten Kyrie for Eric Bledsoe and Josh Jackson? Is that yeah. what the rumor was? Yeah. Yeah, that that was a that's a gimme. If Phoenix said no to that, <laughs> I figure Phoenix was offering that. I mean, that's a good <laughs> offer. Um, um, yeah, no, that that if they said no, if Phoenix was one that said no, then I would say that was stupid <laughs> on their part. You know, but that's I, me. man. And honestly, at the time, I said I see why Phoenix didn't do that. Um, but now I'm second-guessing myself. But, Jawan, you seem to be on the opposite side of that. Why do you think that? Uh, for only one reason and one reason only. Kyrie would have never committed to Phoenix, ever. So now you would have been out. Bledsoe, your newest rookie, and Kyrie. I know he had one more year. I'm talking, few, I'm talking long-term. So long-term, I mean, so you would have ended back in the same spot you were trying to get out of by getting Kyrie which is start to bring Phoenix out of mediocrity and into an, an actual, uh, whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, good whoa, team. Whoa, 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 Phoenix is not mediocrity. Phoenix is god-awful. Let's just be honest. Okay, sorry. Like, god Kyrie awful. would have no, lifted saying... them to mediocrity, which is what you're saying okay. that that yes. would have. Yes. Right, yeah. They, they, right. Kyrie okay. would have been sorry. comfortable yes. with mediocrity and would have left, right? Right, right. So, I mean, if, if you're if you're Phoenix, Josh Jackson uh, being your rookie. Uh, Bledsoe didn't want to be there, so I'd be more uh, interested in doing maybe Bledsoe and Chandler <laughs> for Kyrie. Well, but not my God future. right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but not my future. So, I mean, well, honestly, here's my... Kyrie – go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I was just going to say this. Here's my thing. If you get a team of Kyrie, Booker, T.J. Warren – Marquise Chris and Tyson Chandler, like that's a team that can compete. That's a team that can really play. Um, and then, you know, you got uh you got uh Ulyss and James coming off the bench. Um you've got um what what uh Jared Dudley, you've got uh Dragon Bender, uh Alan Williams. Uh you know, that's a that's a team with some depth and a team they could compete. You could start to kind of build that team around Kyrie Irving. You got two years, so you get another draft pick. You got the Miami Heat draft pick coming up um, next year. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe you do make that trade. Maybe you just say, fuck it. Like, let's see what happens. Let's get us a star. And not to mention, you're going to sell tickets. You're going to make money. Yeah. And you know what? You can always get another draft pick. Mm-hmm. Like, I love draft picks probably more than both of you guys do. But you can always mm. get another draft pick. So, let me ask you this. Let's, let's, say, let's say everything you're saying is correct. You, you know, you try to build around them. It's the West, so they're definitely not making the playoffs. Um, I, I uh, maybe. This. Maybe. I mean, no. I don't think Nick, they would. Come on, I don't, Nick. No, 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 no. I don't think they would. But if you were to tell me you have a team of Kyrie – Booker, T.J. Warren, who's mm. a little underrated. He's a pretty good player. Uh, and then you got Chris, who, again, is a pretty underrated player. And you got uh, uh, Tyson Chandler. If they're all playing up to their potential, like you could fight for an eighth seed. I mean, you would have to have some help along the way. I, ain't no doubt Question. about that. But it, Question. it could that happen. Team, it could happen. That team – that team with Kyrie, is it better than the Pelicans? Probably. 
Uh, see, I don't know if I could commit to that idea. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it just, I, mean, it just, I mean, it just depends, <laughs> man. I mean, again, it just depends. Like, Look, several things. He said one, 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 wait, 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 hold on. One, Drew Holiday is injury prone. Anthony Davis, injury prone. They don't have a quality small forward. They don't really have a quality shooting guard. They're playing Drew Holiday at shooting guard when they get Rondo back, who's injured now. So, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if if you're telling me the Pelicans are fully healthy and are going to be healthy the whole season, sure, like Pelicans have more talent on the team. But, and again, I, I'm still not convinced, no matter what the numbers you see each night that, you know, DeMarcus and, and AD put up, but do they really meld together? I don't know. I mean, I still feel like the verdict is out on that. Well, I, I, I've been watching Pelican games, not to get too far off track, and honestly, they pe- they play better when the other is on the bench. Um, right. But that's possibly spacing issues and stuff like that. But if you're the Pelicans, you I, definitely have to look at that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly, I don't necessarily think it's spacing issues. I just think they're. I, I honestly, I don't really know what it is because they both can spread the floor. So I don't necessarily think it's it's spacing, I, but I do know what you're saying, and I don't know if it's just the fact that they are so both so kind of ball dominant. But AD's not really that ball dominant. Not like Demarcus Cousins. No, he's not. Um, he's not. And, but the and, only issue and, is, and Demarcus Cousins has been he's been playing. He's been less ball dominant this season. Like the way he's been passing the ball, the way. Um, They've been utilizing him at the top of the key. I think they need to do that more. Um, but when they do that, it has been relatively effective. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think? Like, if not spacing, what do you think has been their issue? I, I think it's because, it, well, depth, as, as Joel just said, and also if you watch them a lot, when either of them get the ball, they, for some reason, instead of possibly – dribbling and creating space for a shot, they'd rather get their back to the basket. So that's what I meant right. by spacing, because DeMar- DeMarcus and or AD don't, when when one has the ball, the other doesn't run to the three-point line. You know, they both kind of hug around each other to, to get the rebound. So you got two guys who are kind of sagging in the paint uh, offensively, so it's just kind of like, all right, well, we don't have shooters, so I can't kick it out to, <laughs> to somebody. I kind of need you to go out to the three. So, I mean, it's kind of the issue of they both kind of do the same thing. You just have one that's kind of more athletic than the other, but they kind of do the same exact thing. That's why their numbers usually mirror each other. That's why I said it. That's why I started with um, they play better, uh, you know, when the other's on the bench. And if you're the Pelicans, you have to see that. <laughs> you have to see that. And at some point, you're kind of going to have to go, all right, well, listen, he's open if you want him. <laughs> with DeMarcus Cousins. Hey, uh, let me, let me throw this out there. Let me, let me just throw this out there. And I know, like, this just came to me, and I know it's a little crazy. But you got you got the Pelicans, right? They got two players who, who play better when they're the others off the court. The Houston Rockets also have two players who play better when the others off the court. Trade Chris Paul for DeMarcus Cousins. That's the most even trade anybody can come up <laughs> oh, with. Oh, man. They're both expiring. They're, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. They're both expiring contracts, so you're not really giving up uh, any sort of future 
from it, right? Right? Okay. Guys? Okay, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Are you with me? Like, I, I think that I'm would be, uh, I think that would be a really interesting, I mean, obviously we're not going to see it because um, Chris Paul's been injured, so we haven't really got to see him and James Harden work together, but in the small sample size that we got, it was the same thing with them. They played better when they weren't playing together, and we've obviously seen a large enough sample size to be able to tell that from the Pelicans. I mean, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. More sense for Only- the Rockets because they would Absolutely. probably have a better chance of resetting Cousins. But I think if you put Chris Paul on the Pelicans and you had Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and maybe – wait, let me just – let me throw this out there. Maybe you throw in uh, Clint Capella because he he's, his contract is coming up for an extension, and then maybe you get something back in exchange for him – uh, if you're Houston. So maybe that way you can get a center to fill that void. It'd be a different kind of center, but you can get a center to fill that void, and then maybe you get some draft consideration going back to Houston. I'll say this, and I could be compl- – oh, my God. Um, I could be completely wrong. Uh, if you're, if you're um, the Pelican, something that could be a huge possibility is Chris Paul making you uh, – trade him again or possibly figure out some way to either buy him out or release him. I do not see Chris Paul wanting to play with that team, even though he has Anthony Davis, who could be one of the best players in the league if healthy. I don't see how Chris Paul does not put up a fit every night having to play with uh, the Pelicans. I don't know, man. Put it this way. Put it this way. If you had, if you had Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis and Clint Capella, that's a damn good – that's a foundation, like – and not to mention, here's the other thing. And let me throw this out there. Um, Chris Paul can say all he wants about, you know, he'll walk, yada, 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 whatever. The reason that he did what he did with the Clippers was so he could get traded. Um, they, if, if they had called his bluff, he would not have walked because he could not have gotten that money – he could not have gotten the the room for the extension because um, that's what he wants. He wants that extension till he's 38 years old, which he fought hard for um, when he was with because he's the head of the players union. Like, I think you could put him in that bind. I think he would sign that contract. I think he might sign that contract and demand a trade, but you would still get that value back for him. I only think Joel, I Joel, go is, ahead and tell me I'm crazy. Ahead, ahead. Wait, wait. Let's let Joel tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I'm crazy, Joel. I just want him to get traded so you guys can sleep at night at this point. Just to, <laughs> hey man, just, it ain't it ain't about sleeping. I just shit, I just <laughs> came up with this thing. I just I don't I I don't think they have a problem with each other. I think they're perfectly fine playing with each other. I think it's just there's just a, such a significant drop off in talent after Drew Holiday. It's fucking ridiculous, and that's the reason they're just not that good. <laughs> it's just it's a three man team. It's tough to do that with three with three dudes. Um, really, it's, really it's, it's probably inevitable. Two and a half man team. Yeah, 
three it, it is two. Imagine this. I'm just giving Joe Holiday some props, but it really is. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Fair um, but it is. It's sad, and that's what it is. That's what it really comes down to. And it's not going to last together. They're not going to last together because of that. So this nice experience, I mean, uh, experiment, was only going to last for like this, maybe like the rest of the this half a season, and then they'll probably get traded for nothing because unless they get some type of compensation. And who knows what they're going to get back. And I like, I like the trade that you came up with again with the Wizards and uh, trading DeMarcus to Washington oh, yeah. to Porter. I thought that was a pretty decent trade. Uh, I don't think Houston's going to trade Chris Paul yet because they barely, barely played. So, I mean, are you going to trade someone? I mean, I think they like him more than you do, obviously, at this point in Houston. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I think that's um, fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to happen eventually. We'll see where the event, he ends up going. But as of right now, I do like seeing them play together. They are a fun team to watch when they're on the floor after yeah. things get fucking messy. I, w- I won't argue that at all. But I think if you're the Pelicans, if, you wanna, if, you, if you're thinking about uh, the future, the best thing to do would be to trade DeMarcus and just surround AD with shooters. I mean, that, that would be the best logical tried. thing for that team. <laughs> they, they did try. They did try. Uh, yeah, but no one can stay healthy. Uh, because, yeah, that's yeah, very true. That's but true. the answer the answer to that not working, uh, e- even if it, it wasn't a health issue, the idea of it not working, you can't answer it by, by giving him a player that's identical to him. Uh, because that, that's, that, that just was never going to work. <laughs> I mean, you saw that in small samples last year, and then you're seeing it Fully, full, fully fledged this year that they just do too many of the same things. It's just really not going to work. It's not going to well, work. Well, I, I will give – I'll split the difference because I do think Joel has a good point in that they don't have the people around them to make it work. And I don't think mm-hmm. – and that's here's, – here's my thing with New Orleans. They don't make smart decisions. They sign people like Omer Ashik to, you know, 10, 11, 12 million dollar contracts. They send people like Solomon Hill to 11 million dollar contracts. They send people like each one more to 8, 9 million dollar contracts. They overpay Drew Holiday exponentially. I get it. Like he's your hometown guy. Mm-hmm. You want to pay him. You don't pay him that much. No one else is going to pay him anything close to that. Don't don't do don't make an Allen Williams decision. And I know both of y'all get that reference. Um, like, oh or at least I know Joel gets that reference. <laughs> um, but, but like, they don't make smart decisions. And I don't think Rondo was really another smart decision. Um, you, you're given another guy who can pass the ball but can't shoot. Maybe it'll work. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just don't see it on paper, and maybe it'll work on the court. I don't know. But I, I see but that as less I don't, of a, as a working than – I, like Drew Holiday and Rondo is harder for me to see working all the time than uh, Davis and Cousins because obviously statistically it's not stopping them from doing what they got to do. Problem is the rest of the team can't play on their level. <laughs> they just can't. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like if you were going to sign somebody this off season, like sign somebody who can play the three. Find anybody who can play the three. Tony Allen can't play the three. Like, and he can't shoot. So, regardless of whether he can play the three or not, you need someone who can play the three and who can shoot. Like, 
Why didn't you? may have you, to retire. <laughs> right. Why didn't you, like, just, just like, throw out everybody else, re-sign Drew Holiday, and go after, like, P.J. Tucker? Like, there, there's, there were yeah. several threes who were available, C.J. Miles, um, who, who, who would have fit the, them so well, and they didn't get any of them. Yeah. And That was I, a loyalty just, contract. That's what that no, was. No, and I get because that. Because I think they should have totally let him walk, that. honestly. No, I don't necessarily think they should have let him walk. I just think they should should have paid him what he was worth. Um, but the thing is, again, yeah. you already have over $30 million doled out to Etwan Moore, Solomon Hill, and Omer Ashik. And if you add in mm-hmm. Alexia Jinka, oh. uh, you've already got like $35 plus million. So, like, they just they, they signed bad deals. They, they, they've done that for the past, like, five years and they can't get out from underneath it. And that is the trouble with them. Um, and so I think if you did have the flexibility to bring in the right kind of talent to work with AD and Cousins, it could work, but they don't have that flexibility and they don't have the wherewithal and really, honestly, the smarts to make things work. They don't have – I don't know who their GM is – and I don't like to dog anybody. Well, I don't. I don't mind doing it either. But let's just say I don't. You know. Um, but nevertheless, like he's he's certainly no Maury. He's certainly no. Um, uh, you know what's his name with OKC? Like it, it, the dude's just not that good. Yeah. Like he ain't making moves that is making his team better. And. That's just the way it is. So I'm going to split the difference with yeah. you guys. I think that could work, but it's not going to work because of the situation that they're in. Yeah. I agree I with will that. Say, I, agree. I will say really quickly, uh, one thing I am tiring of is these rookies that, that pledge their allegiance to these franchises that could care less <laughs> about them. Right. I want to see more. I want to see more of these rookies move on, man. Like, I, I, I hate seeing AD waste his years. I hated seeing DeMarcus waste his years. I kind of just want to see these rookies be in a winning environment so they're not just so used to losing for year after year after year. Like, Devin Booker well, you is know, way too talented to be in Phoenix. I'm sorry. He and just you, is. And you, well, and here's the thing. Like, because you, as a rookie, um, a talented rookie, usually sign a four-year deal. Um, and then after your four-year deal, you enter restricted free agency. However, um, you have what's called a qualifying offer. Now, if you mm-hmm. um, manage to negotiate that qualifying offer and get the team and the player to agree to the qualifying offer, um, the player plays for a lot less money than he would have made otherwise, but he becomes an unrestricted free agent after five years. That is exactly what Nerlens Noel just did with the Dallas Mavericks. I think it will mm-hmm. be interesting to see if more players do that because they value their mobility more than they value, you know, 10 more, maybe 15 more million dollars for one season um, because they're going to make that regardless the next season. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting thing to to follow, Jawan. I, I think you might see, especially because um, rookies are making so much more money than they used to. Like, 
I think Lonzo is making seven, eight million dollars a year um, this year. So because they're making more money than they used to, I think you might see something like that happen with rookies who are not happy with their teams, or at least not happy with the offers that their teams make them. Um, that was more the case with Nerlens Noel. But if you have a rookie who's not happy with his team, you could see somebody, you could see them make the same kind of move. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So we went on a whole fucking tangent there. Um, so let's bring it back we bring in. Up the fucking Pelicans. I know it <laughs> always goes back to the Pelicans. Um, let's talk about. Uh, speaking of like teams with rookie contracts of players who are pissed off, uh, let's talk about Joe J- Hill Okafor. Um, yeah, are Philly going to are they going to be able to move him? Um, are they going to cut him? Uh, I I don't I don't think there's any chance that they buy him out. I I just feel like that is ridiculous. That is just nonsense at least at this point, because to me, you don't buy somebody out who you have a, a team option on at the end of this season, right? <laughs> it didn't make any right. sense to buy him out. Like, so I don't think that's going to happen at all. They could just not pick up his option next season and let him hit free agency. Why would you buy him out? The only way you would buy him out is if you could stand to gain something uh, in cap space because you think you're going to make a move, but you would have to have that move lined up before you wanted to buy him out. Anyway, um, I mean, who would want him? Does Boston want him? Does, I mean, is there anybody out there who really wants Jaleel Oak before uh, Jawan? Is there anybody? Um, honestly, I think he could do good things for Phoenix. Uh, not great things. I think his potential of possibly being up there in the conversation of uh, a potential great player has definitely diminished. I think he could be really so good for Phoenix. So you got new Eric Bledsoe trade then, right? Absolutely, <laughs> and I think the guy. I mean, hey is, man, I just like I just feel like that's a that's there it is. <laughs> I trade Jared Bailey um, and and that dude for Eric Bledsoe. Done deal. We'll throw in a second round. They definitely wouldn't take that. They definitely wouldn't Hell take no. that. But honestly, if, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm Philly, I'm looking at the issues I'm having with faults early on, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, hmm, if I could get Eric Bledsoe and get out of this fault situation and get out of Jaleel Okafor, whoa, 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 I think that's something I look at. You yeah, want to trade faults? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you were crazy, bro. You just for you just traded yeah. you just traded two early first rounders for him. Ain't no chance I would do that. You were crazy. And that's that's wait 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 hold on one second one second one second and that is tonight's hot take. Take the floor, Juwan. <laughs> that's a hot take. <laughs> No, honestly, I mean that that's something Philly is is known for doing is is drafting high and then trying to either wasting the talent and the talent leaves or trading off the talent. But if you're looking at faults, if you're honestly going to look at it, because think about this, you don't necessarily uh, need a point guard that's good at passing because Simmons is your point forward, uh, and then you don't need someone who's necessarily going to be a, a, a scorer every night because that's what Embiid is there to do. You need someone that complements both uh, Simmons 
and Embiid. And the fact that we said Bledsoe has other intangibles than just scoring, he plays really good defense. The Philadelphia Sixers need that, especially because Reddick plays no defense. Um, Simmons is, is a pretty good uh, he defender. Uh, he, no, he tries. When I yeah, say he doesn't Reddick. play any defense, I don't mean, yeah, I don't I'll, mean like the idea of defense is something he doesn't do. I just mean he's not no, good he, at it. <laughs> I get it. You mean he's white. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> you can say it. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. He, I mean, he and TJ uh, McConnell, they can't help it, bro. It's like, <laughs> it's just what they are. I like TJ McConnell. It's no, um, it, like I said, it's like, no he's the same him. way. I mean, he tries real hard, but he's just, I mean, he's, 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 really he's someone, he's someone that puts his all into offense. And that's why he's an, an offensive threat. He's, he's never been known as a two way player. So, I mean, I, it's no knock against them, yeah, but it's he's, just fat. He's so, scrappy, I mean, though. He's scrappy. No, he is very scrappy. He's he remind well no, I was gonna say he reminds me of Berea, but Berea is way scrappier. Um yeah. I only reason I I say mm-hmm. I do that is because I do not think Fultz compliments them well enough. We haven't seen him enough for me to even make a wild accusation like that. I just was I didn't think when they drafted him he was someone they should have drafted. Um, I, I think with Embiid being the, the huge numbers guy that he can be and Simmons being that walking triple-double that he can be, you just need a point guard who can play defense and compliment the guys. Like if Embiid has the kick out, you just need to be that guy that can knock the shot down. And Bledsoe they need can Eric be that Bledsoe. guy. He can, he can <laughs> compliment. No, no, I'm just saying he can compliment them because he does more than just score. If I had to ask you right now, what is, if, if Fultz was having an off night, Right, like he wasn't he wasn't hitting the the bottom of the uh, the basket. What else does Fultz bring to that team if he's not scoring? Is what I'm asking. I mean, he's so young, though it's it's impossible to say. Yeah. I mean, he is a, I, I, technically a point guard. I mean, I'm assuming he can no, pass he, the ball a little bit, right? <laughs> but have we seen well, we that in his like college six, days, or was this in college? He yeah, did, I mean, but I mean, was we he haven't more seen of a much of anything. I agree. That's why I said uh, it's a wild, it's a wild accusation. Well, but if if you ask me, would I do that I think, trade? I, I, uh, I think honestly, I, I think if if I think if anything, if that trade were to go down, um, Phoenix would have to include both of the Miami picks, both 2018 and 2021. And even still, I wouldn't take the trade if I was if I was Philly. I just do – well, crazy. even if they don't, the original question you asked me is where could I see Jalil Okafor go uh, – where and I think he'd be good at. I, I like he'd it be in good Phoenix. In Philly. I mean, yeah. in Phoenix. No, and I, I think, yeah. no, and I think that, that could definitely work. I mean, I think Phoenix has enough picks to where they can make that happen. I'm sorry. I think uh, Philly has enough picks to where I can see that they can make right. that happen. Um, Joel, uh, I mean, where do you, where do you think he fits? Um, other than Phoenix, well, I said that, give me somebody else. I like Phoenix. I didn't think of Phoenix. Um, that was a good choice, though. I, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted him to go somewhere where he could be utilized, and because I don't know if Julio Ogilvy is, uh, if his future is as a starter, he might be best served as a offensive weapon off the bench because he like kind of answer. Yeah, yeah, just like actually, just like that. <laughs> right now, he's a starter, but. Um, it is what it is. I don't know if Kenner is going to be a, a career starter his whole career, you know. Um, it's working out for him right now. But, yeah, just like Cantor, I think uh, Julie Offer has the, the ability to be that type of player. And 
I think Phoenix is a good spot for him because he, he's, he's different than the other centers they have on their team, other young centers they have, like a Leonard Bender, that he does that inside scoring type of game, which is different than what the other two give him. Um, or in Tyson, you know, Tyson, I would figure Tyson would be traded at that point, <laughs> at some point. Um, but in terms of the future, I think Joel Okafor in Phoenix sounds like a good place to put him. Uh, if not there, uh, why not why Dallas? Not? Dallas could use a nice young center, you know? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I would I would say why not OKC? OKC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not I, bad either. I mean, bench? they don't. Yeah, if they don't have cancer anymore, they need somebody to take those minutes. Uh, um, I mean, Patterson has kind of not been working out there. I mean, he's been averaging like ten less than ten minutes a game. Um, yeah, I think I think Patterson's really kind of struggled because of the Mello deal. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like they didn't expect to be able to. They, they didn't think Mello was going to fall into their lap, and then when it did, obviously Patterson, right. you know, was was kind of the uh, sacrificial lamb in that in that uh sense. Um but yeah, I mean I think OKC could work. Like why not say like Terrence why not Terrence Ferguson and you take Kyle Singler off our books and we'll we'll take Jaleel Okafor and you get a young shooting guard who has a lot of potential. Um at one point he was um you know like uh, two seasons, or uh, uh, a season ago, anyway, before um, he elected to go overseas um, instead of playing college ball, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I think he was a top ten prospect coming out of coming out of high school. Um, now he he went down in the draft. He went down to twenty one, um, which which is where OKC selected him. But I mean, he's still got a lot of potential. He ain't getting any playing time with OKC. Um, but no, I mean, really. If you look at if you look at Philly, I mean, yeah, they got Reddick, but he's on a one year deal. Um, yeah. You know, they got. I mean, who else they really got? Who's like a true shooting guard? Um, yeah, not yeah, a lot of a good not a lot of players. Shooting guard. Yeah, yeah you're right. So like, that's a good point. yeah, why not why not take him? You, you, you take uh, and 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 take Singler off the books. Um, he's only got two two more years left on his deal, so this year, next year, um, at like four five million dollars, not not a big cap hit. Um, that would be my pick. I think that would work really well, um, and no draft picks involved. Like just you get Terrence Ferguson, you get a young prospect, we get Jalil Okafor, somebody who we think we could you know groom as our as our backup center, and you know go from there. The only thing that could think that would hold it up is um obviously they gotta re sign um uh Paul George next year. Um so maybe they don't wanna pay Julio Okafor. That I mean that could be yeah. a big thing. That would that would hold it, it up but help that. honestly but honestly like even just moving Kyle Singler off your books might be worth it. Even if you don't re-sign Jaleel Okafor, maybe just move it because Singler's signed on for two more years. So maybe moving him, if you got to give up Ferguson, you get Jaleel Okafor as your backup for the year. You see how that works out. It might be worth it nonetheless. Yeah. True. I like it. I like OKC. Good choice. Well, what do you, what do you think, Juwan? Do you think he'd be a good fit in OKC? Yeah, I 
you want? I think we lost him. I think we lost him. Hold on, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I have myself muted. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what I think about him offensive rebound wise because we haven't seen him play that much in a few years. Um, and that's what Cancer's biggest thing was. He was horrible defensively, but he could rebound the hell out of that ball and he could put up so points. Um, we just haven't seen Okafor do that because he haven't he hasn't had the opportunity. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from it. Um, I, I don't even know what to expect from him defensively. So I, I'm not that sure. I'm not that sure. Only reason I said Phoenix was because if he goes to Phoenix, that team doesn't have winning in its culture. So he has time to develop all those things uh, with that young core. If he goes to OKC, they're looking for him to produce like now. Like, no, you don't have time to develop. You need to do this now. Uh, so if you're confident that he could if he, that he could bring it, uh, Nick, then yeah, that that's that's a good fit. I'm just not sure if he could do that. But like I said, I, I could be wrong. I just haven't seen him. He hasn't had the opportunity to show it. Uh, so I think that's my biggest thing. But I mean, it's not a horrible place to place for him to go. Um, I also heard what you said about paying Paul George, so that might come into into uh, into effect. You don't want to mess up. Uh, your money for uh, for for Paul, and he's gonna need he's gonna want money. So, but oh, yeah, I just said Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! I just said Phoenix because he can grow there with those young guys, and he doesn't have to have immediate pressure put on him. Him going from Philly, yeah. where he was a number, where he was a high pick, to now OKC, who has a huge winning culture and is looking for you to produce now. I think that's way too much for him this early. Well, and I think I think if there can be a trade in which. You know, some trade with Okafor for Bledsoe, other players and picks involved, do it. Like, if you're Philly, do it. Like, I mean, don't give up any of your really good picks, but, you know, I'd give up. I mean, they got a lot of picks. Um, They got, like, three second-rounders from y'all's Knicks. So, like, um, you not remind you know. <laughs> Sorry, man. Good old Phil Jackson. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. We, we got about 18 minutes left. I wanna, I wanna just kind of briefly go through through this because um, I want to get to our, our last segment. But um, just quickly, uh, Joel, who's your player of the week? My player of the week, Kristaps uh, mm-hmm. Porzingis. At least until tonight. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, Kristaps has been killing it the last this week. So he's had a good week, good run since that Boston game, which it did not look great because it was just a bad game overall. Um, but he's been killing it. I mean, he's been doing everything, uh, and he he just he looks so much better than he did the last two years. Especially that's why I felt like this is the first time I felt more confident in the idea of him possibly becoming the most improved player this season because of just how well he's been playing. And I just think he's had such a good week. Um, well, again, until today, um, that I have to give it to him. He's, he's my guy. He's my, he's my player of the week. Word. Uh, Juwan, who's your player of the week? All right. Well, I see me and Joel are going to have to start doing rock, paper, scissor to see who goes first. <laughs> um, it was, ultimate, it ultimate. was also, it was also KP. Um, so, I don't have a backup because I was kind of hoping Joel would go a different way, but I'm seeing. Why would of, you think he would go kinda, a different way? 
I don't know. I thought maybe he had someone else in mind. Uh, I, I don't even know who else I would pick. Um, I have another one I, if you if you want. Well, no, you've already said to the people you pick with KP, so you can't now <laughs> trade it now and change it. I got a um, backup. We're just gonna... backup. <laughs> All right, well, then who is your backup? Because I don't have one. <laughs> Uh, Oladipo, man, and, and uh, Nick nice. fucking yep. Indiana Pacers. <laughs> uh, Damn right, go Oladipo. Yeah, man, fucker, he's good. He's I mean, he's looked a lot better since he's been in Indiana than he did in OKC. He's the player. Of like no, no, I, I agree. Off. I agree. You know I mean? I'm just it's saying you should have went with Oladipo, so I could have had KP. But go ahead. Nick. I was just more proud of what I've seen in KP than I have in Oladipo, Oladipo for obvious KP. reasons. I have we have, I have some of the same. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with because I didn't give him love last week because obviously I had to give a shout out to my boy Darren Collison who's been balling out uh, with my Pacers. They're just my Pacers now, aren't they? Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's my. I, I'm not even a Hawks fan anymore. I'm a fucking Pacers fan at this point. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, I'm gonna go with Ben Simmons, man. Um, because I didn't give him love last week, um, and uh, I feel like he he deserved it even more last week than this week. But even this week, man, well, let's just let's just paint it like this: dude's averaging eighteen point four points, nine point one rebounds, seven point seven assists. He's shooting fifty three percent. He's got a player efficiency rating of twenty one point seven. This is your rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be rookie of the year. He, I mean, dude just balls. He needs to work on his free throw shooting now. Shooting 56.1%, that ain't going to cut it. Um, I mean, that you just that needs to be better. But, um, I mean, even tonight, he uh, posted 19 points, uh, 13 boards, 9 assists, 2 steals, only 4 turnovers. 4 turnovers for a point guard is not that bad. Um, I mean, dude's balling. Dude is just straight balling, and I, I had to give him a nod. I think I think he's uh, I think he's the real deal. Um, team of the week. Uh, let me start with you, Jawan, so Joel can't steal your shit. Thank goodness. I'm gonna go with. I originally had. <laughs> I originally had the Memphis Grizzlies, but I'm gonna change it, and I'm gonna go with the Orlando Magic. <laughs> All right. Anything to elaborate on that, Joan? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was looking for no, but seriously, seriously, them sitting at six and two. Them sitting at six and two. Uh, the game they put on tonight, Gordon hitting the go-ahead three to uh, beat the Grizzlies. They have beaten some okay teams, uh, but they've also had some impressive wins against the Cavs. Uh, and now the the Memphis uh, Memphis Grizzlies. This team uh, under Frank Vogel, man, this team is really starting to remind me a little bit of what Frank had uh, when he had that magic with the Pacers that that year, uh, where they took it to the Miami Heat. They've beaten the Spurs also. Um, they have two glaring losses against the Hornets and the Cavs, uh, but outside of that, this team has been playing some really, really, really good basketball. So. I'm going with the uh, Orlando Magic. It's my team of the week. Where, Joel, what you got? All right, so because I have to go in a different direction. Um, 
I'm going to go with Charlotte Hornets, who have been sneakily oh, pretty decent the last nice. couple games. I like it. They have. They're, they they've been they snuck up on me. Uh, Dwight Walker is really balling out. Yeah, he's been balling. Uh, he's been he he could have been a candidate for Player of the Week. Honestly, that's how good he's been playing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that I just thought they I didn't expect them to be this. Not that they're playing great or anything, but they they are playing good. And I didn't expect that considering how they played in the preseason. They lost Nicholas Batum, and then I know the. Michael K. Gilchrist was out for a little bit. Um, and I was like, oh, they might just, they're probably not going to be good enough considering in their backup point it was like Julian Stone, I think, at one point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, not so much. Now, I think they, they rely a lot more on Malik Monk to do both guard positions at the, off the bench. But, yeah, I like what I've seen out of the Hornets. They're actually staying alive and putting up buckets in the Kemba. It's balling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I will. Hey, man, and I Jeremy Lamb say, is playing out of his mind. He's playing good. He's playing good. I will also say a name on that team that no one's really mentioning, uh, someone that I thought would be a one-two punch combo with, with Kemba. Dwight's been putting mm-hmm. up numbers, man. It's been very quiet. No one's yeah, really just talking about it. But he's been putting yeah. up numbers. No, no, no. I'm, I'm yeah. saying in the media. I, I don't mean on, on oh, the yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, one's talking about it. In the media. Yeah, yeah. No one's, no one's yeah, talking about absolutely. it. But he's, he's quietly putting up numbers. Yeah. He's third word, in word. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, he he's been playing great. Um, I'm a I'm gonna throw out the Sixers, man. Um, to continue with my okay. my Sixers uh, okay. theme uh, with Ben Simmons. Okay. Um, <laughs> over the last five games, they're four and one. Their one loss was to Houston by one point. Uh, they beat Detroit on the 23rd. They beat Dallas on the 28th. They beat Houston at Houston on the 30th, and they just beat Atlanta tonight. No surprise. Um, like, <laughs> Big win. Hey, man. They they are balling. They're getting it together. They are now 4-4. Four and four. Um, They're mm-hmm. they're starting to kind of gel together, which we all knew might take some time. Um, I mean, they're just they, they're tying it together. They're playing well. That, that loss to Houston was miraculous because they were up by, like, 10 with, like, three and a half minutes left in the game or something like that. Um, So, I mean, they could very well easily be on a five-game winning streak. Um, After losing three games uh, to start the season, they're four and one, you know, up up past that point. I mean, that's very impressive. Um, I I really – y'all know how much I love the Sixers. They're my second team because Allen Iverson is still my favorite player of all time. So, like, forever, like (laughs) – the, the, the Sixers are my second second favorite team, um, and you know I've been uh, I've been very trepidatious about picking them to make the playoffs. But man, I hope they prove me wrong. I really do. I I love the Sixers, and so I I hope they do well. Uh, game of the week, guys. What you got, uh, Joel? I'm gonna start with you. See, this is hard because I don't. I it's been hard to, to catch full games, <laughs> so. Um, I'm gonna go with a game that I actually watched. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with the Knicks versus the Nuggets, a game where they go, they went up high, blowing them out, and had this crazy fucking comeback by the Denver Nuggets, where they, at one point I swear it was like 30 to three or whatever it was in the third quarter, and it was I was like, oh well, there goes the lead that they had, and it came down to the wire at the very end uh, in the fourth quarter, and KP and crew and Tim Hardaway 
finally turned it on in the fourth quarter, and it was a good game. It turned out to be a close game, even though I, didn't, I wish it wouldn't, but it, it is what it is. They ended up getting the win, and um, that was my game of the week. Indeed, sir. I mean, uh, Jawah, <laughs> um, what was your what? game of the I, week? You know what? I want to say really quickly, Joel, that was a great pick mainly because in the fourth quarter, Chris Stops had five fouls, and he did what I've been yeah. dreaming for him to learn how to do, and that is to avoid being fouled out, and they pulled that win out. Yep. Um, so very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is mine is going to be Thunder versus the T-Wolves part two or three? Absolutely. Oh, part yeah. two, sorry, yeah. part two. Um, two. Man, Jimmy Butler went out there to show the world, A, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm just as important as as I was in Chicago. Um, And he put out a a Michael Jordan flu kind of game. He was balling out (laughs) in that game, man. Jimmy Butler was really trying to, uh, you know, kind of show that he is a force still in the NBA. Um, And for some reason, man, I don't know what it is. And I keep telling people this. The NBA is made up of matchups. For some reason, Thunder cannot (laughs) – cannot beat the Wolves. I don't know what it is. I used to think it was Cat, but now I'm like, nah, they just have too many pieces that OKC just can't get over. And it's been very close game. Melo was within a, a, a three of tying it, just like Melo was within the three of winning it the, the last game. So, for some reason, the T-Wolves have their number. Yeah, man, I'm going to go with the, with the, uh, the Clippers uh, at playing Portland. Um, uh, going oh, to yeah. Portland on the 26th, mm-hmm. man, that game was so awesome. Everybody, like, everybody played well. Um, it was just, it was one of those just kind of epic games, uh, 104 to 103, one point game. It was the first loss of the season for the Clippers. Um, so, you know, the, the, um, Blazers were kind of able to deliver that, uh, to them. And, you know, that kind of, to me, almost set a precedent for the Blazers because they were 3-2, and two, no, wait, I'm sorry, 4-2, and two, uh, I'm sorry, 4-3, and three. wait, no, 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 sorry, they're 3-1 and one going into that Let me figure game. it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, let me figure it out. They were 3-1 they were and one going into that game. <laughs> and so they they played a really Oh wait, wait, wait! I'm sorry. The Clippers won that game, so they were three and one. The Blazers were three and one going into that game, and they they dropped the game, uh, and you know the Clippers were able to pull out that victory. Blake Griffin was hitting threes like crazy. Um, dude is just balling out. He is playing so great in Chris Paul's absence. It's ridiculous. I mean. I don't think anybody saw his performance coming, um, at least not to the degree that it is. And the way that he's been leading this team uh, in Paul's absence and just just balling out has been ridiculous. Um, So that's that's the game I'm going to go with. And forgive me for uh, just fucking up all of that. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) hey, it happens. Uh, we got about five minutes left. I want to I want to start a new segment. We're only gonna have one part of this segment. Um, but let me let me just get a yay or nay on parts two and three. Uh, Magic gonna make the playoffs. Yay or nay? Juwan. All right. Yay or nay? 
Joel. Um, uh, yay, yay. Hold on, yay. I'm going to say nay. I don't think they will. I think they'll fade. Uh, let's go with uh, Clippers. Will they get home court advantage? Will they be a top four team in the West? Yay or nay, Juwan? Nay. Joel? Nay. I'm going to say yay. I think they will. And surprisingly enough, I didn't even pick them to make the playoffs. But if they can stay healthy, I think they will. I think the Clippers got what it takes. Um, What I really want to talk about, for all of you full court pressers out there, uh, we had an interesting dialogue uh, pretty much between between Jawan and Joel. Uh, Contender or pretender – Giannis for MVP. Is he a contender or is he a pretender? Let me start with you, Jawan. Give you the floor. When you're done, just pass it to Joel. Let's hear it. Um, all right. Pretender is a really, really, really negative word. So it's going to make it sound like I don't think he's playing MVP caliber basketball right now. Um, he is. The reason why I'm going to say he is a pretender is because to be MVP, you not only have to win games, you have to win games that matter. You have to uh, – your points per game have to be up there or some numbers have to be up there, whether it's assists, rebounds. They usually look for all three of them to be up there. Um, my biggest thing is – and last night's game was a huge indication on what to expect going forward from the Bucks. Giannis cannot shoulder the burden day in and day out. That is not because he's not talented enough. That is because there is no one that can try. I'm sorry, Westbrook did it. But it is it is very hard. Last night, Giannis had 32 points. They lost because the next highest score on that team had nine points. So to think that he can put up MVP numbers a large portion of this season, I just I don't see it. I do not see it. I see his star start to dim as far as MVP, not as far as how great he's going to be, as far as MVP around, I'd say, December, January, where the, the MVP talk starts to intensify. I see that going to a few other guys. I do not think uh, the star will continue to be as bright for Giannis going forward. And, Joel, I'll pass it to you because I don't want to eat up all the time. Well, I don't have a giant speech. Um as of right now, he is. I don't. I mean, as of right now, he is a contender. I don't really think it's much of a question. Of course he is. Um, tonight was a good example of a game that he didn't carry the load. Uh, he only had, what, I think I think he was under 20. He didn't have, he didn't have a great game, honestly. And I think it was uh, Kim Middleton that carried the load. He had 43 tonight. So, he, But he did have a double-double. He didn't yeah, have 14, yeah. And, Right, exactly. but he had five assists. He had two steals, two blocks. He filled out the stats. Right. But they lost. But they lost. And the loss. That's true. And the loss. They did lose. To that, my that, team that, of the week. The point. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the game's not over. Is <laughs> no. it over? Maybe it is. Joe, Joel, what it I was over, saying so. by that is, in the MVP conversation, they look for you to win to win important games, and then playing a team that could be a playoff team. Uh, you know, they look for the games against the, the Cavs, against OKC. They look for you to rise up in games like that. And I'm not saying that he's not going to down the, down the line. I'm just saying he has to drop 
30 a game just for them to be in it. I know tonight wasn't the case for that, but are we depending on Middleton to get 20 to 40 a night? I don't know. If well, and that's, I, I and that's a good point because now they're 30 a night. And, well, and they're now 4-4, four and four, and because he didn't score 30 tonight, they probably lost because mm-hmm. of that. Joel, quick, quick mm-hmm. retort. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not even arguing that. I, I was, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I'm just saying it's too early to tell. There's not a, a, a big enough sample size for me. I mean, you saw it last night. I didn't see it. I'm just saying it's still too early to tell if that's going to be the case. So you could be right. I'm not saying you won't. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, Joel's just saying, hey, man, he can contend. Um, anyway, guys, thank yeah. you so much for joining us for another episode of Full Court Press. Uh, it was a super fun show, and as always, join us on Sunday for Geek Vibes Live at 8 o'clock. We're going to be talking all the geek culture you can handle. Thank you so much again, and adios. For Ragnarok. Ragnarok. <laughs>